testing one, two, three, one, two, three, testing. I'm Ben McAdams, and I represent Utah's fourth congressional district. Before I was elected last November, I was the mayor of Salt Lake County. It's my belief that Washington might work better if we thought about governing the country the way mayors approach leading their communities. In this podcast, I'm hoping to show you what being a member of Congress is really like and whether it's possible to run this country the way we run our local governments. Welcome to Washington. In this episode of Washington, Congressman Ben McAdams talks to Phil Smith of the Concord Coalition, a nonpartisan organization that advocates for fiscal responsibility. They discuss the federal budget, tax cuts, and why the deficit should be a priority for every American. I'm here with Phil Smith of the Concord Coalition, who was in town. You're a nonprofit, bipartisan, nonpartisan organization uh, that helped us run a workshop on the federal uh, budget and fiscal responsibility. And so um, we had a, a, a lot, I don't know the number, 40 constituents here in, in different groups where you, you have a workshop and different proposals that are current in Congress about uh, both um, revenue and programs that are funded and whether they should be funded or cut and what impact that would have on the federal deficit and federal budget. So tell me, how do you think it went? I think it went really, really well. It was very interesting to hear from the constituents of your district here in Utah, and uh, they're very fiscally responsible. Uh, That was one thing that really stood out. I think they took the time to uh, talk about issues of substance. They definitely got beyond bumper sticker talk. And in about a two-hour time period, we had seven different committees that voted in different tables, and they each saved literally trillions of dollars in a 10-year deficit plan. So uh, I think the message here is uh, we need to, need to take your Utah constituents with you back to Washington and sh- show, it, show them how to do it. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely slashed and burned the federal budget and, <laughs> and stood up there. You, one of the questions you asked every group was, uh, after you did this, do you think you'll get reelected? And I think every one of them said, I don't care. I'm not here to get reelected, right? You know, and I lo- that's one of the reasons I ask that question is I hope I get that answer sometimes. Some people will say, oh, yeah, I'm staying by this budget that I did. We'll definitely get reelected. And some people are like, I don't know if I'll get reelected. But, but you're right. Most of the people here tonight put politics aside. And they said, we don't care. We want to do the right thing, and we want to move forward. Uh, But, of course, as you know, because you have 434 other colleagues in Washington on the House side that have to face re-election every two years, it is one of the factors that people consider, you know, in Washington when they're voting on these. So that's the other reason I asked the question. But with a $22 trillion national debt and with trillion-dollar deficits, annual deficits, as far as the eye can see, we really have our work cut out for us. So thank you for doing this tonight, and thank you for asking these citizens to come in. And I know that it meant a lot to you to hear from them, too, because obviously you've been doing your homework. You, you clearly know where the trends are in the federal budget. Uh, but to have substantive discussions with your constituents is just such a, a rare and special thing. So I thought it worked out really well. So, I mean, that's one of the conversations we, in, in my speech kind of kicking off the town hall was talking about the status of where we are. So we have a 4.7 trillion dollar budget, federal budget, that is uh, almost 900 billion, almost a trillion dollars more than our tax revenue. So right. we're adding to the national debt. National debt's about 22 trillion dollars right now. We're adding a trillion dollars a year to the debt. Fastest growing segment of the budget. 
uh, of the federal budget is interest on the debt. Right. So you're just seeing this compound. It's, it's spiraling faster and faster to the point that it's, it is starting to crowd out other investments. Other things, I, I thought your point was good. You said, you know, we may, there are things, programs people like and, and pr- other things that people dislike, and there's plenty of room for disagreement. One thing everybody can agree on is we don't like spending money on interest. That's just money that is going for things that we did in the past. It's not going for anything present or future. It's just interest, and it's the fastest-growing segment of the of the federal budget. So part of this exercise was can we come together and, and reduce federal deficit, ultimately maybe get to a point where it's balanced, and then even paying off some of this debt, lowering the interest rates, rather than spiraling out of the control to where we get to the point that we have no choice but to make some of these cuts to programs that people rely on, depend on Social Security and Medicare, which I oppose cuts to, but um, but the, the, the crowding out effect is, is real. It is. It really is. In fact, I would say that if we don't make the decisions now, Math will make the decisions for us, and math is much more cruel and relentless than any policymaker would be when they're trying to figure out how to do it. And you're exactly right about interest on the debt. Within about five or six years, it'll be the third largest expense in the federal budget. So that's just simply unsustainable. One last fact I'd like to leave you with is that we haven't experienced anything like we're quite experiencing right now with a good economy and the deficit rising at the same time. Usually we fix the roof while the sun is shining, and that's not happening right now. And I know you want to change that, so thank you for your work in this. Yeah. So I wanted to take a minute and talk about some of the decisions that people sure. made. So it was a two-hour exercise, right. right? Congress will spend a year on this, still not pass a budget. But um, So it was, and I think that everybody understood that it was a little bit of a simplification, right? That we had a, one, a, a one-page description of each item and a pro and con, that's right. um, but it's... These decisions are, are much more complicated than that. Um, you know, one that one that I think is a good example was um, a lot of people were making savings to the federal deficit by reversing the Trump tax cut. Right. I um, I opposed the Trump tax cuts when it was voted through, but I think it's it's not as easy as a yes or no, up or down. And you know, whether it's the Trump tax cuts, and I'll, I'll give my example on the Trump tax cuts. Um, it, I said at the time I didn't support. I thought they were too big, but I think we needed to modernize our tax code. Uh, corporate taxes in the U.S. were higher than some of our competition overseas. The world is becoming so global and interconnected that it, it is a reality that if our corporate tax rates are high, significantly higher than other countries, we can lose business to other countries. So I felt that we should lower the corporate tax rate. We should modernize our tax code to remain competitive in a global economy. Um, I thought the Trump, Trump tax cuts went too far, but it wasn't as simple as an up or down, right? Right. I, I agree, and I also think um, in some ways it was a missed opportunity, though, right, for to have real reform. I would call it more of a tax overhaul than a complete tax reform plan because we really missed the boat on simplifying the tax code and um, particularly looking at certain tax expenditures and so forth um, that are giant. Uh, we also oftentimes hear about earmarks on the spending side, but we don't hear about these earmarks called tax expenditures on the tax side. So we missed an opportunity to clean up the tax code a lot, and we could, do, could have done a lot more modernizing. Our biggest uh, challenge with those tax cuts was the fact that they didn't offset them at all. Like when they voted on, there were no offsets. They just said, we're going to charge this to future generations. We're going to have tax cuts and big spending at the same time, and instead of paying for it, we're going to shift the bill to the next generation 
plus interest on the debt. So it was it was fiscally irresponsible as basis. But you're exactly right in terms of tax reform. We need to have significant tax reform. And there's actually ways to lower taxes, to broaden the base. There have been commissions in the past, like the Simpson-Bowles Commission and so forth about 10 years ago, that looked at areas like this. And there are people of all stripes that believe that we could, you know, ripe areas for reform in the tax code. So, but your constituents tonight, they looked hard at that. And I had, I heard some robust debate, much in making a lot of the points that you're making tonight. So I think you're spot on. I think that's good to hear. And, you know, it's, these are complicated decisions. The other thing that I was hoping they would see, and, and you're not going to see this in a two hour span, but you see it when you're doing a member of Congress and you're doing town hall meetings and there's proposals on the table that have a real human impact, you know, like uh, uh, you might see, you know, people talking about um, one of the line items was reducing federal grants to state and local governments. That's as a former mayor, you know, that's an easy thing to put in one line. The reality when I know what those grants go toward for health care, um, homeless services, even maintenance in, in low income areas, parks and sidewalks and ADA ramps and in areas where people may not otherwise have be be able to get around town. So each and every one of those has a a human face behind it. And um, one of the reasons it's so important for me to go out and do town halls is is to make that connection. The decisions I make in Washington are connected to people who have faces and names in my district. And you still have to make tough decisions, but to connect it back to the human face, I think, is so important. And uh, and that's part of it. I think that's important, too. And, and especially when you look at the different parts of the budget, we tried to include in this exercise a broad array of spending and revenue options from all parts of the budget. But particularly when you talk about domestic discretionary spending, I think a lot of Americans and uh, don't realize that domestic discretionary spending is actually at historic lows right now. Um, and, and the growth of, of domestic discretionary spending is actually scheduled to, to not be that great. The growth in the federal government is mainly in the health care area, right, when you look at health care system. So, and it's complicated when we, when we start talking about, if, but we've got to figure out a way to bend the long-term health care cost curve. If we don't, it doesn't matter. what well, We could get everything out, right? At some point, it eats it all up. And so that's a complicated part of the budget, but we've got to figure out ways to dive in, into that. Um, and, and also interest on the debt, as you mentioned. So if you look at health care, you look at interest on the debt, um, you know, and you look at the mandatory spending in the budget, those are the things that are on the rise. Everything else is actually scheduled to shrink. So last thing I want to talk about um, is just the overall debate. You know, when I talk about fiscal responsibility, something that's important to me, I introduced a balanced budget amendment, got a lot of heat for that from people who um, may disagree. I think both parties, we talked about the Trump tax cuts, and that was fiscally irresponsible the way that it was done. Both parties are behaving in a way that's fiscally irresponsible. And I make this analogy. I haven't quite refined my verbiage on the, uh, but when I introduced my budget, balanced budget amendment, I, I analogized it to like saying, "Hey, you should really stop smoking. It's not good for you." I was surprised at the response I got. You, you know, usually when you tell a smoker, "Hey, stop smoking," they're like, "Oh, I know. I, I should. I will." And I kind of figured that would be the response I'd get on balanced budget and, and fiscal responsibility. I was surprised that the response wasn't, "We should balance the budget. It's tough." but we should. The response was more along the lines of, smoking's healthy. What are you talking about? We like it. Why are you telling me to stop smoking? Don't you care about my health? I think we've been anesthetized to this problem. And if I've been working in this issue area for about 20 years now. And if I had to go back in time and predict something that, that I couldn't have predicted, it was that interest rates have stayed as low as they've been for the past several years. And in a sense, that has anesthetized us from 
feeling the pain, the true pain that we should be feeling from having a $22 trillion debt. So you've had groups like ours going around the country and, and candidates like you, members of Congress like you, that have been talking about fiscal responsibility. But a lot of people say, well, you've gotten along just fine, you know, and the sky hasn't fallen yet. So it's, it makes the message harder to get across, right, because we've been, been doing this. But then when we see where interest rates are going now and where we see where interest on the debt, the payments are going, it's getting so high that at some point that math will trump all of it. And that calculation that interest on the debt will be the third largest part of the budget, that's assuming still low interest rates, right? right? What happens if interest rates go up? It's really scary. If they go up, you know, two or three percentage points, then it just balloons, and we could have, you know, multi-trillion dollar interest payments each year in that case. So we really are rolling the dice that interest rates will remain low. So our risk exposure is high. Interest rates can't go down. They They will go up, and it's just a matter of time. And when they do go up, we're going to see that That's budget right. number just balloon. Well, and, and one of the reasons I think it's important for us to talk about this and have this conversation, and, and thank you for making this an issue, because what we have seen, and we've been around long enough to see this now, is um, if you go back to like 1992 when everybody was running for president back there, that was a special year. Everybody was talking about it. Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, that was the year that Ross Perot ran, Paul Songus. All of these candidates were talking about this issue. Just a few years later, we actually had a balanced budget. Fast forward to 2016, nobody talked about this issue. No, hardly any journalist asked these questions in the presidential debates. And we are where we are now, where, you know, people in Washington, uh, unfortunately, you're in the minority of talking about fiscal responsibility, right? I need more of your colleagues. We need more of your colleagues to be talking about these issues. And I think it will be more of an issue in the 2020 races. And then at some point, we'll be refocused on these issues again, which will be important. So answer this question for me. This is one of the criticisms I get when I talk about fiscal responsibility. People say, you don't understand budgets. You know, Salt, the Salt Lake County's budget is nothing like the federal budget. I, I admit that. $4 trillion versus $1 billion, very different. Uh, but they say, look, federal government, we print our own money. Deficits don't matter. Debt doesn't matter. Do they matter? They absolutely do matter. And I will say, first of all, that people who have been in municipal governments probably get this better than most people because you've had to make tough decisions in the past about what to cut and what to keep. You've had to balance budgets. But it absolutely does matter. And it's unfortunate when people, I mean, there are very, very few economists that will say deficits don't matter. There are very few economists that will say just print money to solve the problem because we have examples of that in other societies throughout history, and it didn't work out very well at all. Um, in fact, if you can imagine, we've all played Monopoly. What happens when you flood the Monopoly game with money, right? It, it's worth less. So um, that, is, that is definitely not an answer. We have a finite economy. It's, a lar- it's the largest economy in the world in the United States, but it is quite finite. And we, even though we, are, we, we, uh, we have a lot of things in our favor, the dollar is basically the de facto currency around the world, um, and that does give us a lot of power. It is not unlimited power. It doesn't make us exempt from the laws of economics. I can assure you that our debt does matter. We have to pay those Treasury bonds back. All right. Well, Phil Smith, thank you. Thank you to the Concord Group for helping us keep this conversation going. It does matter to me, and I, can, I plan to continue talking about it. And uh, let's, let's work to make the tough decisions to, to behave and bring our federal government into a realm of fiscal responsibility. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you have me back in Utah. We will. I want to thank you for listening to Washington. What I'd really love to hear is from you. 
To follow this journey, subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the KSL Radio app, and anywhere you find interesting podcasts. To be part of this experiment in making the world's most powerful city responsive to citizens, please email me at tips at loudmouthproject.com. We'd like to thank the village that made this podcast possible. Andrea Smartin, Danny Akana, Allison Hayrund, and of course, Congressman Ben McAdams and this week's guest, Phil Smith. Washington is a production of the Loudmouth Project.